Frank's Red Hot is the perfect blend of flavor and heat. So you can use an entire bottle to make recipes like buffalo chicken dip or buffalo nachos. Or even things that don't start with buffalo. Frank's Red Hot. I put that on everything. Craig. We can show you the world. As long as it's very specific. <laughs> okay, this one I know. Cougs and hey, you come on, man, you ruined keep, my flow. Sorry, keep going. So, the cougs and political shit and our kids and stuff. We can do all of that as if that's what you decide. Then subscribe and do all the other stuff if that's what you decide. But, yeah. sorry, I was so excited. I was like, I know that one. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I was I was really excited. You know, we are. We're taking the B to Disney World this week, so so I uh, I I, I was uh, I was excited to do a Disney song, and it's probably the one I know the best. I think I was like eight when that movie came out. Yeah, um, yeah, it's probably one of the better ones, honestly. Yeah, but as yeah, someone as someone who took a child to uh, to a Disney theme park right around one year old, um, I hope she likes the stroller. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, obviously, we wouldn't do that normally. Um, well, one, she, we don't have to pay for her to get in, which is nice. Um, she does like large uh, animal type creatures and princesses and stuff. I think she'll get quite excited by that. She's fairly social. Um, yes, and, she is. And uh, but uh, I'm already going down there for work. And uh, Amanda hitched a ride for on that companion fare. Bee's still free, um, and and so we're like hell. Uh, let she won't remember what yeah. we but we no, will ride ride that shit for as long as you can. Exactly, oh, we are. Um, so we'll remember. <laughs> it starts getting expensive real fast, man. Oh, we are. We she already we already know she's going to hate us when she's older because we're gonna have all these pictures of. They're going to Australia and Disney World and all these other places. Uh, we're planning a trip to Europe later this fall. And and uh, all these, before we had to pay for her ticket. And then she's going to be like 10 years old and be like, why haven't we never went back to these places? Because we'd have to pay for you now. And that's, <laughs> that. It's like my kids now are like, why don't we eat out as much as we used to? And I'm like, because the 12-year-old has to eat off the adult menu. That's why. Yeah, exactly. Hey, the kids' menu is great. It's just when like, when each of your meals cost five bucks, it wasn't a big deal. Now that like his meal costs like thirteen, like mine, and then he's still you know wanting to eat off of my plate and my my wife's plate and yeah, it's well. well <sighs> don't anyways, have boys and don't uh, let them grow up. We're we're doing the kids up front apparently today, but welcome. That's okay. To, we'll hold some back. Welcome to podcast versus everyone. I'm Craig Powers. I don't think I've done our name intros in at least three weeks. Um, with me is Jeff Newser. Jeff, how are we doing? I know you – actually, let's start this right at the top, right even before the beer. I know you had a really exciting day today, and uh, tell me why you're feeling good. Yeah, I had a kick-ass day. So, um, you know, my experience as a high school teacher is that people who are not high school teachers often think that high school teaching is a really, like, awful job. Like, like, it's like, I get these, like when people are, you know, Oh, I meet new people. What do you do? And I'm like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a high school teacher. I teach high school English. And, and they give me this look like it's, it's either like, Oh dear God, I could never do that. Or 
pity like oh god bless you for yeah it's taking same, on that burden it's the right? same look if you're like yeah i've got six months to live yeah you know yeah, so you get the like, same exact look oh you're a high school yeah teacher. very sorry i'm I, very sorry to hear that i try to tell them like and, and you know not very many people believe me but you know I, I really do try to tell them i'm like high school teaching is great like 98 percent of the time like just like i mean there are a lot of jobs that I, I don't think there's any job that's good a hundred percent of the time. Like, I really don't think that exists. And I think anybody who says it does is sort of just like a, maybe that says more about relentless optimism than it does about the actual job. Well, yeah. You, you know that I have, uh, I have had my last couple of gigs been pretty sweet Yep. and, and with some pretty ideal situations and I still get frustrated and annoyed quite often. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, exactly. So there are parts of teaching that suck. Like, I, I mean, I grading is, very difficult for me. <laughs> like, I know. I know. I remember many ugh. years ago, you were about ready to give up teaching because, because of the grading. Like I, I was actually a hundred percent because of the grading. Yeah. I had to make some peace with that and, and had to let go of some things. And, um, and then it also helped that, uh, so at, at my school, just a quick side note at my school, the junior English class does a, a big research paper and those things take like 15 to 30 minutes a piece to grade, depending on how bad or good they are. Um, bad, bad takes longer, right? Yeah. And so like, if I've got, you know, three junior Englishes, then I've got, you know, like, like 90 of those papers, and it really does take like two months to to grade them all. And it's super terrible. So anyway, so now it really helps. I've only got two junior English classes. And so, yeah, not so bad. But anyway, um, yeah. This so this is related guys, to the Cougs, we promise. Yes. Yeah, we, I promise I'll bring it back around. So anyway, so like 98% of the time, it's awesome. Well, today was one of the like super awesome days um, at our school. And they, and they do this at a lot of schools too. They have what's called decision day, which is where um, the seniors get to sort of publicly – um, you know, align themselves with their post high school plan. Um, you know, most of those kids, it's a, uh, it's, it's college. Um, but also they honor, you know, kids who are going to technical schools, kids who are doing apprenticeships, um, kids who have, have either have, or are gonna enlist in the military. So, so they honor kind of all of that at the same time. And so if we, I want to say this at our school, we've been doing this for three or four years now. I think, I think four, I think it's year four. So anyway, um, first year they did it. I'm like, Hey, I want to, and, and, and they split them up by school, right? So they group them by school. And the very first year I said, Hey, I want to lead the Cougs. And so every year, every year I've been the, I've been the guy who gets to lead, um, the kids from Rogers high school in Puyallup who've decided they want to go to Washington state university. And today we had 21 kids, 20, 21 dang kids that are going to Washington state university. And it's, it's just so fun to like talk to them, um, you know, ask them, you know, Hey, where are you going to live? And, and, you know, of course they, you know, they, they tell you and, and not much has changed on that front. Right. Um, there's right. like a couple new dorms, but for the most part, it's the same. And, um, you know, one poor kid who I love, I had him last year in, in junior English and, and he's like, he's like, yeah, I put down my top three choices, Stevenson West, Stevenson East and Stevenson North or whatever they are. And I'm like, Oh dear God. Like I'm just like, I hated living in Stevenson so much, but I'm like, you go, buddy. I'm glad you're excited to live out there in the corner of a 1960s high rise, you know, project style high rise. Um, but no, it's just so fun to talk to them and like, you know, they're just so excited and, you know, I get to tell them like, uh, you know, I, I, it was, you know, some of the best years of my life. Um, and, and, you know, I get to share with them kind of some of my favorite things and, um, and then just like, just like I said, to feel their excitement 
for it. And, and there are some things about being a teacher that are just really cool. And seeing kids through to the next phase of their life is one of the coolest. And one, so one of the things I also do every year, I make sure to do every year is I, I go to graduation and I get to sit down with the seniors as a row captain with them. And, and it's not like it's anything all that special. It's mostly just making sure they're not doing anything stupid and that they stand and walk through the line when they're supposed to. But it's like, you know, as, as a teacher, I get to sit down there with them kind of as this last act before they, before they move on. And, um, their parents don't get to do that. Their parents have to sit up in the, in the stands. And so, um, I don't know, just like that kind of stuff with, with the kids. I mean, they, they make you pull your hair out. They, they drive you nuts, but, um, you know, getting to see them through that next phase is really one of the coolest parts of teaching. And, um, so today was, was one of those things. And one of the 21 kids, uh, that's going to Wazoo is Maddie Egan, who is signed to be a tennis player for our uh, NCAA tournament bound tennis program. And uh, so that was pretty cool to get to talk to her. And um, yeah, so just an all around awesome day. And then and then to top it off at the end of the of the assembly, they played uh, back home, which I am 100 percent positive was completely directed at us. And not just a general thing for all the Rogers grads who are going to, you know, fan out all over the country and you know, go where they go. So anyway. Yeah, that's very cool. Da, 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 da. It was, da, I was da, like, da, they put da, it on. Da, I'm, da, like, I'm like, yeah. And I'm like talking to them. I'm like, I hope you like this song guys. Cause you're going to hear it about 10,000 times in the next four years. And they're like, like about five of them are like, Oh no, we know we're so excited. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you already got it. We're good. Yeah. So yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. I love it. Love Excellent. teaching almost good all the to, time. Good way to start the podcast positivity happiness and then we'll get into the shit later yeah. um, uh, but there's some fun shit to get into um but uh all right let's get into some beer jeff um i saw the name of your beer yeah and it immediately when you were talking about all the grading that you're that you had to do <laughs> i was like that seems like it's yeah you know it, 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 it may be minimizing but anyways Go yeah. ahead and talk about it, and uh, I'll, I'll talk about the brewery a little bit too. If 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 you, uh, I don't know how much you know about them, but I I don't know much um, about yeah, them at all actually. Go, so that would be uh, awesome. Go go ahead, tell us about your beer. What is yeah, this? so this uh, this is a pint I picked up at uh, Rainier Growlers called Some Paper by Mirage Beer out of Seattle. I do know that. Um, this is a, a New England as it, as it says on the can, a New England style IPA dry hopped with Chinook and El Dorado hops. Um, yeah, it's excellent. I, you know, you know, and, and regular listeners know that I love my new England style IPAs. Um, this one is, is, is kind of fun. Like it's, it's, um, it, it's, it's kind of a tropical fruit forward right at first. And then you get some bitterness on the back end, which honestly is, um, it, it to me, it's kind of that, that controlled bitterness on the back end that really makes the, the good new England style IPAs. Um, cause some of them just taste, you know, citrusy and fruity and, and then that's kind of where it ends. And so, um, yeah, this is, this is an excellent beverage. So tell me about, tell me about Mirage. Cause I'd never heard of them before I, before I saw this. So Mirage is a super small brewery. Um, they call themselves a nano brewery, which would, would mean they, uh, produce a very small amount of barrels and they probably just have a pretty small system. Um, and given the, the, the variety of, uh, beers that they produce i'm guessing they do have a pretty small system and they just kind of crank out every day you know they, they're brewing a different beer every day essentially um uh so mirage is is definitely like 
Um, so I think they're a little over a year old. I remember their cans, you know, they do some pretty fun looking cans. Um, so basically what you see from them is uh, they build themselves as a one man farmhouse focused brewery. But what what you'll see from them is honestly a lot of the um, the nouveau styles, if you will. Um, like so, yeah, they they make the hazies. Uh, some paper is one of them. Um, they crank out a lot of different hazies, or he does um, cranks out a lot of different hazies. Um, I've had a lot of great ones. Uh, I there if I see a new can from them, I'll typically pick it up to try it because. Um, I, I don't chase uh, the hazy IPAs too much, but like, uh, you know, if there's a good local, if a brewery that's good and local and, and does does them well, um, I'll, I'll tr- definitely try them out. And and I and I've had a lot of good ones from Mirage. Um, they also do uh, Pilsners really well. Um, so they so they they hit a few different categories, and then they have some definitely farmhouse focused beers. Obviously, they release very rarely, but because uh, they're small and it requires a lot of barrel aging, that you know. Um, so they've released a few uh, a farmhouse, you know, saisons, uh, kind of a sour type beers, fruited sour type beers. Um, so they they're they're very focused on maybe like three different style groups in hazy IPAs or New England style IPAs, uh, and then pilsners, lagers, like the lighter stuff, and then the farmhouse ales as well. So they're they're pretty interesting, and they've actually made quite a mark. And given the uh, small amount of brewery or small amount of beer they make, um, they they just make high quality stuff, and they also make some pretty cool packaging as well. Um, so, and but it also looks like something that was probably fairly uh, in in inexpensive to make as well. Although they do have they 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 have some labels that are super glittery and super like funny. Um, kind of, uh, I had one beer called Limo Tears from them which was another hazy and it, it was just a really glittery can. So they're really interesting. I've definitely been keeping my eye on them. I've had a lot of good beers from them. Uh, um, hopefully they'll be able to grow a little bit and be able to expand their distribution. But for now they're, they're doing really well with, with what they have. So um, good, good on a, a good, a good one to have in Seattle for sure. Good. I'll definitely pick up some more when I see it then it's uh this is a good beer. Yeah. What definitely. you got? Um, so I am, uh, I'm, I got another, uh, another, uh, Puget Sound newbie as well. Um, um, I'm drinking a beer, uh, uh, from, uh, a brewery. It's actually a brewery, winery, cidery, meadery. Um, but I think beer is what they've been making first and most often, uh, so far, um, the guys, uh, come from more of a beer background. Well, some of the main guys come from more of a beer background, but, um, it's called Garden Path Fermentation. Uh, they are um, located in Burlington, Washington. Um, so uh, up there, Skagit Valley area. Um, they uh, they really focus on um, uh, long fermentation products. So like so so saisons, um, uh, sours, things like that, oak fermented things. And then obviously the winery, cidery, meadery stuff as well. Um, I haven't had any of their non-beer stuff yet because um, I just don't really go for that much often. But it's a pretty cool concept that they're doing. Um, they have a cool tasting room uh, that I would love to – I haven't been able to visit, but I have a lot of friends have been there. Uh, they keep a lot of other uh, – it's a bottle shop too, so they keep a lot of uh, really good 
beers from other breweries there uh, that you can have on premise or take away. And then they also have their own beer there, which they've been producing more and more of. Um, uh, they, uh, if you live in Washington, um, or one of the other States, I have I've alluded to this, uh, to this, uh, to this app before, and I'll finally, I'll, I'll give them a shout out. So there's an app called Tavar, um, T-A-V-O-U-R and garden, garden path is actually on that. So if you can't drive up to Burlington, like me, um, either you have your friend, uh, Brian Logan, who was on the podcast, uh, our, uh, our, um, our, our crazy tailgate podcast, actually. Um, I gave him a lot of shit <laughs> if, on that. If, they, if, if the listeners made it that far. If you made it that far, but uh, he was on that podcast. Uh, he's a big beer nerd as well, and he, he pick, he's picked me up uh, uh, some beers from Garden Path before, um, but I, I, I haven't driven up there personally myself. Um, but they do sell some of their beer on in, in some bottle shops around the Sound, uh, usually there's some in Seattle. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen any available down here in Tacoma yet. Um, but, um, uh, but, uh, Tavar does, uh, occasionally very rarely, um, cause they're not a very big brewery, um, offer up some of their beer on their app. So, um, basically what it, it, it's like a beer club, but you don't have to, uh, they don't, you just get what you buy. So it's basically like a beer shop online. Um, and just the beers are available for, you know, maybe a week and sometimes they run out or whatever. But, um, um, I used to have our, um, if you want to use to have our, I'm going to, you know, what, I'm just going to straight up get my, um, ref- reference code and, uh, give it to you. <laughs> yeah, do it, man. <laughs> um, so, Heck yeah. uh, 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 no, I have to actually send them an email. So. Whatever. If if you want um if you want to get ten dollars off your first order, just um send, send an, us email. an email. We have an email address. Send us an email at podcast versus everyone at gmail and you'll get ten dollars off and I'll get ten dollars off and it'll be great. Um but whatever. So that was the only way I'm gonna call them. I was like, uh I, I feel weird shilling for them, but I do buy from them quite a bit. They have a lot of cool stuff from all around the country. Um if you want to try a lot of different beers, um they're their quality of beer, I, I've been following them for about four years, and their quality of beer has taken a huge uptick in the last uh, year and a half or so. So I actually to the point where I would recommend checking them out. Um, but anyway, so Garden Path, uh, yeah, they're they're uh, they're a very interesting place. Um, what I am drinking from them is uh, called the Easy Going Drink, a Skagitonian Grisette. Jeff, do you know what a grisette is? I have no idea. So a grisette... But I'll bet you're going to tell me. (laughs) I'm going to learn something tonight. So a grisette is... um, Well, how it's now been... uh, It's a style that um, uh, lived in Belgium and and then kind of almost died out, like a lot of styles, and then was resurrected in the U.S., like a lot of things have happened, uh, like the Goza style was a German style that essentially died and then was resurrected in the U S because apparently we just have nothing to do with our lives, but drink weird ass beer styles. Um, but and that, uh, so, and that beer style is weird ass. Like, yeah, it is. It tastes one. like a sweaty sock, but yeah. anyway, whatever. But, but anyways, a grisette is, does not taste like a sweaty sock. So a grisette is essentially 
Um, I think the easiest way to explain it is it's a wheat-focused Saison-style beer that's typically lighter than your average Saison. So it's typically like 4 to maybe 6%. Um, this one comes in at a, a whopping 4.4%. Uh, so, careful now. So Easy. these are obviously, obviously typically lighter beers, um, lighter on the tongue. So and they have a little bit of the wheat kind of, uh, I don't know how to explain it. There's this kind of wheat presence on them. They have, so typically, um, uh, uh, American breweries will, uh, uh, throw some bretomyces in there, some other, uh, bugs in there to kind of give them a little bit of tart, like a little hint. Like this one's got just a hint of tartness, uh, which is actually very pleasant. Um, and otherwise, it's very crisp and clean drinking. I love the Grisette style. Um, it's there. Uh, we've talked about Holy Mountain before. They make a Grisette beer, and that is my favorite beer from them. And all the beers I love from them is their their four percent Grisette beer. And um, again, like this is why I wanted to highlight Garden Path because there's not a lot of breweries that do Grisettes, um, and some of them do them really poorly. Um, I had a beer from uh, I think. I told you about it. We, we were, I, I actually mentioned on an earlier podcast from uh, True TRVE. It looks like TRVE Brewing. And they did a grisette, and it came in like 6.5%, and it was like hazy and thick, and I was like, this is weird. Uh, but I like mine clean and crisp and a little tartness, and this hits on all those marks. Um, it's very good. Um, yeah, I, I'm very impressed with it. Uh, I, I definitely – so I have a little story about the grisette style. So uh, – uh, I, uh, one of my um, best friends, um, he, he basically, we work in the same industry. So, uh, we, we became friends through, you know, both we liked beer and, and then we would always try to meet up at various events, uh, when we're going to the same events. And, uh, one time we were at an event in, uh, in Pennsylvania, uh, at a suburb outside of Philadelphia. And we wanted to go into Philadelphia to go to some of the beer bars. And also I had a friend that was happened to be in town, um, and so we, we, we were catching a train and, uh, but next to the train, there was a really good beer bar and we're like, okay, cool. So we'll go a little early before the train. Um, so we get a couple beers at the bar and then we're like, okay, let's go over and catch the train. And we get back to the, we get over to the train platform. We're like, we look and see how much time it is. And we're like, we should get a beer for the train. And so I'm like, well, that place offers growlers. So, uh, I run back to get a growler. And being the beer nerd I am, I, could, I didn't just get like, you know, whatever beer, just throw it in a growler. I had to get, I had to look at the list, get it from a brewery that I know I like or from a, a beer that I haven't had before. You know, I had to try something new. And so I end up with this um, Oxbow Brewing out of Maine. They're an excellent farmhouse style brewery. So a, a grisette. And, and so of all the beers to be drinking on a on, on a train uh, headed to, to uh, Philadelphia out of a growler, um i got a grisette and and so um i get back and my buddy's laughing he's like why, why the hell did you get a grisette like what the and so uh you know it's like this was more of a straight clean grisette it wasn't it wasn't like a tart like a uh it was more of a like a classic uh saison type yeast in it and we were just you know chugging that in between the ticket taker walking by out of grisette um i looked up my untapped check-in for that beer and it's like me on with a paper bag and you see the little growler popping over the top so we chugged that and so ever since then uh me and my buddy luke always call this beer a a train beer Uh, so (laughs) 
So if you want to refer to grisettes as train beers, feel free. I can do uh, that. That is what that is what that is what we call them. That's what everyone should call them. Grisettes are train beers. Um, uh, but yeah, and um, in a couple months, uh, uh, we'll be riding. My uh, my family and I will be riding on a on a train from Indianapolis to Chicago, and uh, it'll be six o'clock in the morning. So I don't know if I'll be drinking any grisette, but if I have some on hand, I I may try. Um, but yeah, so, uh, I'm a big Grisette fan. It like, I, I, my buddy at first thought it was a joke, um, cause he's not a big Grisette fan, but I'm like, no, I seriously like Grisettes and I drink the train beers as much as I possibly can. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'll give this one, um, uh, four SEPTA rides out of five. That's, that is seriously what the, uh, that is what the, the, uh, uh, Commuter train system is called in Philadelphia the SEPTA. Um, so I'll give it four SEPTAs out of SEPTA rides out of five. That's pretty funny, actually. Um, I, I didn't ask you what. How do you rate your beer? Uh, yeah, this is. Of, it's like, it's like a four plus, like a four plus whatever we're four four plus whatever we're rating. I don't know what should I rate it. I don't know. Uh, uh, so uh, so it's called. So we were talking about um, how many um, how many future Cougs out of five is it? Oh, oh well. If we're if we're doing future Cougs out of five on Decision Day, we're doing five out of five. Sorry. All right. Well, that's, five out of five future Cougs. That's twenty-one just out of twenty-one. This gets a twenty-one on a scale of twenty-one. Very good. I mean, that <laughs> you know, mathematically that's the same, but also it sounds better. It does. It sounds like more. Yeah. Exactly. Well, <laughs> well, let's get into this. So. Yeah. Um, I think uh, we're going to focus on some on, on multiple accounts, some some uh, Twitter drama uh, here. Uh, we'll start with the WSU drama. We'll get into some UW drama as well. Uh-huh. Um, but let's start with this. Can, can I, just, I just call it a bunch of bullshit? Um, so we got. Okay, we'll talk about the draft first for a sec, but. Um, Andre Diller getting drafted, fucking awesome. Yeah, uh, super I think awesome. He landed in a great spot. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, I'm really excited to see. Him. I th- he's going to be playing next year. I think it's very likely. Um, it what what a story. Uh, two star, 240 pound left tackle, uh, f- becomes a you know the 22nd pick in the draft, uh, and he was traded up to specifically be grabbed so yeah that always feels uh, good so he had two teams fighting over him specifically but they thought he might go as high as 15 but you know you know you know you never know with these things yeah well and uh, only only one offensive tackle went ahead of him and it was, it was the the guy from alabama yeah which so, says a lot who yeah who undoubtedly was a five-star recruit <laughs> right yeah. right for sure and you know so it's uh yeah, it's super cool, man. Like, I, I, you know, I mean, just the idea that, uh, you know, I mean, anytime we have a first round draft pick is like, you know, pretty special and feels pretty good. You know, I yeah, mean, it was, it was we don't crazy. get them all that often. Yeah, it was crazy. I was I was just looking up, you know, day own. Yeah. And it's just he's coming in sixth year in the league. Right. Like, so that was the last time we had a first round draft pick. And before that, it was Marcus Trufant. So and before that, it was Ryan Leaf. Yeah. So and then before that was then another. Before that was it was Drew Bledsoe. Drew Bledsoe right? and Jack Thompson. Yeah. 
and there's not much of a list before that so um yeah so it's it's uh it's 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 always something that's special and and especially you know he he yeah, and he wore that crimson ish suit. Yeah. And then and then you had that uh, suit was like hot fire, man. It was a great had, looking suit. Yeah, Coach Miller wearing his uh gray and suit with crimson tie. Yep. Um and you know, just uh uh obviously he uh feels good about his time at WSU and um they had that great AP photo of him uh you know, flashing the three. Yep. Uh, which was just very cool, and yep. uh, it was it was a very you know uh, it, I usually don't watch the first round of the draft because the Seahawks usually don't pick, and, uh, <laughs> and it right. takes it takes the longest of all the ra- drafts of uh, draft rounds, right? And, and it just drags on, you know. You get it takes three hour three plus hours to yeah. pick 30, 32 guys, uh, but man, that was just that was fun. It, yeah, it, was, it was fun to watch, and and just how you know. The Philly fans are excited to have him, and and, and he's excited to be there. And he, he's in a good organization. Not a, you know, not sometimes in the first round you can fall to a just a trash organization, but yep. Um, he he's in a good spot. Uh, I think that you know the the type of offenses they run will fit him very well. Um, you know, he'll be able to use his athleticism and use his pass blocking skill, and uh, it, it'll be great. Um, and then, of course, uh, I was a little, you know, a little earlier than I thought, honestly, but uh, um, to see Gardner get picked in the sixth round by Jacksonville um, after, you know, at that point, I was kind of just hoping he gets snagged somewhere late in the seventh. But I was a bit surprised he got picked up. And and honestly, uh, Nick Foles is the starting quarterback, so it's not like uh, Gardner's blocked forever there. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a. It's a great landing spot for him. He's got a great I mean, chance to be the the backup this year. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. So number one, you know, when you're drafted that late, the biggest thing you want is a, a real shot to be the backup, right? Because you're not there. There's no expectation that you're going to start. There's you know really no uh, expectation that um, you know really anything else. And so you just have to prove your worth as a backup. Well. You know, when you go to a, you know, when you go to a, a, a team where they they don't really have one, <laughs> you know, they have a guy that they drafted last year. They got, you know, another dude they picked up off the scrap heap. I mean, it's, you know, it really is all there for him to take. And, you know, you got to figure that, you know, they're, if they're going to keep, you know, uh, two, you know, just one backup, um, you know, he's got as good a shot as, as anyone. And then if he's, you know, if he's the backup, again, Nick Foles, um, did sign uh whatever like I think an eighty eight million dollar contract something like yes. that. But you what know, is that in quarterback dollars? Well, yeah, that's that's, like, that's that, what I'm saying. Does that I mean? Can you even sign a free agent quarterback for less than that? I mean, twenty two million is I mean that's on the low end for a free agent quarterback of any you know any value Maybe starting inequality like, right. And, well, I mean, they, I mean, they technically gave Bortles a hundred plus million extension right. the year before, so right. it's like it doesn't, right. it doesn't really like these yeah. are like funny numbers at this point. It really, yeah. Is. So there's, I mean, there is a legit chance for him to, uh, 
you know, go in there and win a backup job. And and I got to imagine they're at least as likely to keep him as the guy they drafted last year, you know, so there's that. And then, um, you know, you, you spend a couple of years there and if Foles isn't always cracked up to be people, you know, think, you know, Hey, we'll give the backup a chance and, you know, and, and, you know, who knows from there. Right. I mean, that's, that, that's kind of what, you know, basically happened with his career here. It's like, you know, who knows, give a kid a chance and, and see what he does. So I, I was, you know, not, I mean, not that the Jags are, are, are some kind of great organization cause they're not, but which is sort of the downside of going there. Um, you know, they really haven't had a good quarterback since Mark, Mark Brunel. Brunel. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm trying to like, I'm trying to think really quick if they've had a decent quarterback since Mark Brunel and I'm Byron not sure. Had a, yeah. had a, he had a decent year too, like an okay year. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a while since they've had a real quarterback, and that's that, that's always uh, that's always a little bit of a of a warning flag. But I do know like kind of what Minshew said, which is, um, you know, just give him a chance. He's like, all I'm asking for is a chance. Well, I mean, chance, you know, there's a pretty good chance that he gets a chance at some point in the next couple of years. Um, so yeah, so I was I was thrilled for him and. Um, you know, they, they really seem to, they really seem to be excited about him down in Jacksonville. So well, yeah. he's got that personality and he's close to home, which is yeah. great for him. Like that's, yeah. that's super cool that he's close to home. So, yeah. And you know, he's already got, you know, he's, he's at least going to make a couple million dollars. So that's pretty good. Uh, considering he was, he was going to be like probably a grad assistant this year. So yeah, uh, uh, if he would have went to Alabama, he probably would have yep. just been a grad assistant again this year. So that's quite a, quite a great, uh, you know, change of fate. And he, and he earned it. He Absolutely. earned all of it. So Absolutely. Um, it's a great story. And just honestly, one of obviously both of ours all-time favorite Cougs now and so it's just fun to watch him you know get to it, it just it's fun to watch him get drafted and get to revel in that and and uh you know get to revel in the uh, attention and and it was fun to watch the you know ESPN do the little package on him and everything and uh you know I'm pretty impressed with how many packages on every single guy that they have they were they were talking about after the um Af, like as as the coverage is winding down, how they they essentially have uh, an, enough uh, packages for uh, like highlight packages for 300 guys. Yeah, which is crazy. Like just the the prep that the the people that you don't see do on those draft and NFL Network the same way. Like that is crazy because you just like you this you know like the 158th pick is like they have a highlight package for him and they have stuff to say about him. It's like, what the hell? But, uh, but that's, but obviously Gardner was probably one of their easiest ones to have that since, you know, he was in the Heisman race for much of the year and, you know, quarterbacking a top 10 team or whatever, but yeah, but yeah, well, obviously we had, um, uh, we had some guys get, uh, uh, signed, um, Logan Tago to the Seahawks, uh, uh, Sean Harper and Darian Moulton. I can't remember. I should just look up the teams, but I, uh, I think Sean Harper Har- went to the Texans. Moulton yes. went to the Titans, I think. Um, uh, Browns, uh, who went to the Browns? Browns for Pelour. Pelour, yes. Yep. Uh, and I feel like we're missing someone other than Booby. Uh, mm, no, I think we got them all. No, I okay. think that's it. Okay, so, I think that's it. Um, uh, so, 
those other four guys are pretty much rookie invites to camp. Um, uh, Booby is a little uh, more. He's an, uh, signed like a undrafted free agent contract with a little bit of guaranteed money and yep, stuff. So he gets so, a signing bonus. So he gets a signing bonus, uh, which, you know, with the fam coming, that's a big deal. Yeah, um, like probably, that's probably not gets, a little deal. Probably gets around, you know, I don't know, 50 grand or I something. Think, I think it was reported. Where did I see? Maybe maybe I'm just making this up. But I thought I saw somewhere that it was like 90,000. Oh, yeah. Or something like that. I mean, it was, it was reasonably... Yeah, it, it was like a reasonable amount of money. And, and obviously, if you're a you know fifth or sixth round draft pick, it's gonna be better. But but right. uh, it, but honestly, like he landed in a. I mean, that's a great offense for him to be in. Yeah. I mean that you know, but when you're thinking before the draft, like of the teams that would be up for him, I think you and I like I, I mentioned to you like everyone's gonna want to back like him in like five years because that's yeah. how the NFL goes. Yeah. But if you're thinking teams like the Patriots or the Chiefs. Like those are teams like yeah. that, or the Eagles. Eagles, the Eagles one obviously, like that. yeah. That or the the, the Rams, or yep. even though they they have more of a feature back, but uh, but obviously we saw that they're willing to just throw anyone out there. Yeah. Um, but um, but uh, yeah, it's like you know teams that run uh, the Saints, you know teams like that. They run the offenses where, um, you know they throw the ball a lot. They they use versatile running backs. Uh, they don't care too much about uh, feature back or anything. Um, so yeah, I think I. That's why I think like Booby has a very good chance to make that team. Um, I would actually I expect him to make that team. Yeah, and in particular uh, with just sort of their whole running back situation. Yeah, like it's not exactly. even just the style that they play. It's the, you know, the what they had happen last year with Kareem Hunt, and um, you know now they've got you know they're not going to be with uh, Tyreek Hill, <laughs> you know, so they're yeah. going to be looking for and, and not that he plays the same position as Tyreek Hill or anything like but that. Like but the there's playmakers. Yeah, there are options for. There's touches. Um, yeah, there are touches available for for guys. So, yeah, it, it's it's a really good spot, and you know it's it kind of like once you get down past. Um, you know, the sixth round is kind of, kind of, you know, depends on where you land. The seventh round is definitely like, I don't know, man, I think you, I think you'd rather go to a place of your choosing, um, than to be chosen in the seventh round. There's that, but I also do think there's that just having your name called on the draft is a, is just a moment that, that you, you only have one chance to get. That is true. Yeah. But I do know that, like, I mean, by the time you're getting to but that in terms of point, in terms of NFL chances, yes. Like, yeah, and I mean, like, even you know, on the television. I mean, I know it's maybe it's getting the phone call is super cool. Hey, we're drafting you, and you know, coach calls you or whatever. I mean, I guess maybe that's great. But I mean, it's not like you know. I mean, by the time you get to the seventh round on TV, they're just flashing the names at the bottom. You know, I'm watching NFL Network and they're doing Stump the Truck, right? I don't know if you were watching NFL Network or ESPN, but um, they do Stump the Truck, which is like, hey, suggest a guy and see if we have video on him and that's how they spend basically the entire seventh round it's a you know anyway it's just yeah i i think you know obviously there's a little more money probably being a seventh rounder um but yeah it's you're probably better off picking a place uh that that is you know that is suitable for you that is gonna play to your strengths that you maybe you have a pretty decent shot of making a roster um all of those things and so i think for booby that's fine and and i know and maybe this is the the maybe the next direction we want to go with this but it's like 
you know, obviously a lot of our fans kind of, you know, were like, oh, he should have stayed in school. And look at this. He goes undrafted and, you know, whatever, man, you know, you like go get it. You know, I mean, I don't fault the guy at all. Well, guess what? He's not getting a ninety thousand dollars signing bonus if he stays in school. No. And 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 we we uh we have talked about this on Slack and and whatever, but uh specific like and even in running back specifically, and even Booby Booby's a guy who's I I don't think his skill set was going to benefit from a like it wasn't going to improve. I I don't think his tape was going to be any better from another season. Uh, he's going to be running the same offense, probably splitting the carries the same way with Max. Probably maybe even Max would be getting even more as a as a sophomore. Um, so he might be looking at you know I'm not even going to get as many touches this next year as I got this year. Plus he's got a kid on the way. Like plus you know like so he's probably at you know about as good as it's ever going to get. Um, you know, he's our, he's a kid who's already gone through a major injury, fear of losing a scholarship. I, I think he said that he thought for sure WC was going to pull a scholarship when he, you know, tore his ACL senior year and they didn't. So, so just from his perspective, uh, coming out seemed, seemed like a, you know, it, it, it was not like a no brainer, but it didn't seem like, it didn't seem like staying for another year was going to uh, give him any better opportunity uh, football wise. Um, uh, and, and he already, he already did for, you know, he did three and a half years of school. And uh, so he is, a, he's a, essentially a senior by age um, and, and running backs do have a, a very limited shelf life uh, more so than uh, many other positions in the league. Um, you know, pretty much 30 is like this brick wall for many of them. Um, as, and especially a guy who, um, kind of game lives on the fast twitch muscles and stuff. Um, but yeah, but yeah, it, it, it to me, it's just like, I, 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 even when he initially announced, I had no problems with it. And, and I was bummed obviously for the Cougs cause he, he's a great player um, but, uh, but, you know, I, I, I saw where he was coming from and, and, you know, um, yeah. And, but obviously, um, uh, coach Leach, uh, believes that, uh, players, you know, should always get their degrees and, and stay long enough for that. Um, and, uh, we saw that, uh, just having that, that, uh, that a belief kind of, uh, stirred some feathers this week. Yeah, that was a little so, I don't stirred know. some I, feathers I mean, is that a is that a i think i mix some uh metaphors it is now there. it uh, is now yeah. um ruffled ruffled some, ruffled uh, some feathers ruffled the pot it ruffled the pot a bit yeah stirred the stirred the wings i don't know <laughs> yeah. whatever um but yeah I, I i do think that so uh so obviously i think our you know our listeners are probably familiar but um you know james williams doesn't get drafted mike leach tweets uh, uh sort of what seems to be sort of a cryptic subtweet at Williams cause he wasn't drafted. Um, and then Eric Dickerson who is, uh, kind of James Williams's agent, but 
anyway, it's, it's kind of a weird relationship, but whatever. And so, you know, he starts going off on Leach saying Leach has been, you know, bad mouthing Williams through the process. And anyway, so it becomes this big to do. And we didn't even write about it at Coog Center because I was just like, this is a stupid story. It's a nothing story. It's so dumb. Like, it's not it's not going to have an impact on anything <laughs> like like Mike Leach is certainly not the first coach to be like, hey, this kid should stay in school. And then say, I said, this kid should stay in school. I mean, it's like, I, I think on Slack the other day, I think it was Brian Floyd, you know, said, you know, Pete Carroll <laughs> sat up front after uh, Mark Sanchez decided to turn pro and just went, I don't, I don't agree with it. You know, and it's like Pete Carroll made a, made a, you know, a living out of being a, a player's coach at USC and just basically being like, Hey, we send kids to the pros. And so, you know, definitely like it's, I, I don't know, like there's a long history of, of coaches being a little bit um you know having a little disdain for for certain guys who leave early and and i think with leach honestly i think the biggest thing is is that is that williams doesn't have his degree yet and, and i think you know if, if after and he's been on campus for you know three and a half years um plus you know three summers right um and so that should be enough time to earn your bachelor's degree and the fact that he has an entire semester left, at least that's what was reported um, when he went when he went pro. I think that's the part where you kind of go, uh, you know, maybe maybe academics aren't, um, you know, the most the the most important thing to him. Um, and, and not to you know not to project too much because you know nobody really knows. Um, but when you kind of read around it, you kind of go, okay, well. You know, this isn't like come back and finish one class. This is, you know, come back and, and take an entire semester, you know. And so um, so anyway, I, I just think that's kind of where Leach landed on that was, you know, hey, you know, you should stay and and finish your degree and, um, you know, just kind of see that one through. I, I really don't think it was all that much about, hey, we want this guy to stay, you know, for for sort of selfish reasons. So uh, well, and I do think if if. If uh, if uh, Booby was going to improve his draft, like if there was a path to improving his draft stock in his final year of eligibility, it would have been if he had his degree already and he could have done a grad transfer to somewhere else where he's going to be able to be like a feature back. Yeah, probably like feature back, get, get more carries. Um, not, you know, not, uh, not, not be splitting carries with Max and, and, and maybe being in more of a, uh, you know, more of a running offense. And, and it, then, then I could see a possibility because I just don't think his tape was going to change, uh, this year and, um, his stock may have even, you know, dipped, who knows, uh, but, um, uh, maybe it could have grown, but I, I just don't see very many ways it could have, um, he has some pretty great tape already, um, I mean, and so I, we, we saw a lot of times I, I throw out the, throughout the draft process, which is obscenely long at this point, and it used to be a month shorter, but yeah, um, it's, it's, it's so long. Um, and, and you'd see just random, you know, kind of draft evaluator guys, like look at that play he made against Oregon where he, you know, broke um you know out of the, of the broken gate or whatever whatever we call it. what why can't big i remember gulp. the big gulp big gulp uh, the swinging gate yeah, but uh, the big the 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 big gulp um uh he uh you know broke the nine tackles or whatever made an incredible run and you know this uh that was just like whoa look at this guy has just ability and um and balance and 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 acceleration and, and you know strength and and um, and we saw a lot of plays like, you know, 
not at that level. That was probably one of his best plays at WSU, but we saw a lot of amazing plays and we saw that no one, no like first tackler could ever, ever tackle him. Like it wasn't going to happen. But, uh, but yeah, so yeah, I really think that, yeah, that, that really was his only path towards, you know, maybe getting drafted or, or better was not playing at WSU because I think uh, I, I read in some of his interviews um, where uh, some of the questions he got, um, like at, with NFL scouts and at the combine, was if he could be a feature back, which seems like a weird question to ask someone who you think you're going to draft in like sixth round. But what, or like, or, but 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 anyway, so they 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 questioned that he could be a feature back, considering he never was at WSU. He was always splitting touches with you know Jamal Murrow and Gerard Wicks, Max Borgie, you know. So he he just ne- he, like. He never was the guy. Um, the closest thing was last year when when he only had to split carries with one guy. Um, but uh, but um, although I, I think he took a lot of carries from Gerard Wicks the year before as well. Um, but uh, but yeah, so it's just. Um, anyway, so obviously his uh, his agent, who is a famous former running back, Eric Dickerson, um, decided to tweet out. Um, uh, some stuff in his defense, I guess, uh, um, implicating Leach and uh, essentially conspiring to prevent uh, him from being drafted, which is um, I just pretty much rolled my eyes. Yeah, out, I like, mean that I, doesn't I, that doesn't make sense on about like four different levels. Yeah, it 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 like it especially a program at WSU where we don't have a lot of guys drafted. We, we like compared to our peers, we don't have a lot of guys in the NFL compared to our peers. We, we, we need, like we, we would love to be able to sell that. You could be a running back at WSU Absolutely. and get drafted. So I, I just honestly, like as much as Leach believes that kids should stay and get their degree, I seriously doubt he would be out there telling people not to draft. Right. And, and as much as I do believe Leach is a, somewhat petty person <laughs> yeah i mean okay and, and, like and, i think so, that's pretty obvious yeah, but but i just i really doubt that he would undermine his own program in such a way like by by um going at to nfl teams and saying don't draft this guy like right. i really seriously doubt that that's it just, makes no sense at that's all. just some agent bullshit that you roll your eyes at because maybe you were shitty at your job and your guy right. get drafted. That's exactly so you're gonna it. point fingers and blame it on and then tell your 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 uh your your charge, your, your client that it that it's not his fault, it's your coach's fault too, and getting him on board. So it's just you know, it, I, I just I seriously doubt Leach did any of that. And obviously Leach said as much to the point like he's not telling people who to draft and and whatever, and and I and it's not just to be like such a homer with Leach and because I generally am not, uh, but like in this case it was just I just like when I saw the the tweet from Dickerson it rolled my eyes like and then and then and a free, and an interview with Dickerson even more I just rolled my eyes because I'm like this is not like this is not true you're implicating something that's completely ridiculous. And and I just I just like it, I guess he gave us something to talk about on the podcast when we thought we, you know we we wouldn't have anything to talk about but we had yeah. a freaking basketball thanks, sign so or, or commit so but yeah. now we got to push that back but yeah thanks Eric for the uh, the content we'll probably get a few more clicks because of you yeah. so thanks buddy I mean 
I, you know, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but you know, so something I say a lot is that I'm a big believer in Occam's razor and I'm a big believer in, you know, the simplest explanation being the most likely one. And the simplest explanation here is that teams didn't think he was as good as other guys. Like, like that's like, I don't know how. It wasn't just teams. It was draft evaluations. Like, yeah, I know you and I were both looking at, obviously as the draft is going on, we're looking at like, who are the best available on various guys' draft boards? Yeah. Who, who, and who are the best available running backs? And running backs only get start like honestly, in earnest, only get started being drafted in like the fifth round. Right. Sixth round, usually. Yep. Like that's when you see him come off the board. Running back is a very devalued position yep. at this point. Yep. And and, and that and, and so uh, running back not being drafted. I mean, we saw Philip Lindsay who crushed the Pac-12 and like for multiple years well, let's just be honest Philip Lindsay was a better Pac-12 a much better Pac-12 running back absolutely than James Williams and, and we like he Philip Lindsay like tore up the Pac-12 and then he went undrafted right but then of course he had a huge season last year for the Broncos yeah um but but it's like it, it doesn't matter like you can be the best in your league you in in a top level league, you can be one of the leading running backs in the entire country, like Philip Lindsay was, and he didn't get drafted, and and he and and Booby probably had a little bit more, uh, a little bit better measurables, um, particularly size wise, uh, than Lindsay, but um, not really speed wise. Like Lindsay, I think at his pro day ran like a four three nine or something. Uh, so, but like, so and he doesn't get drafted. Yep. Um, and so it's not that surprising that a, a running back coming out of an air raid system who got, who, who didn't get like, you know, 400 carry 300 carries, you know, he got, uh, you know, per year and whatever, you know, he's, and he's catching the ball almost as much as he's running the ball. Like it's, it's, it's not that surprising that like, you know, 20, that's why we talked about like a handful of teams who we thought would be really a good fit. There's a lot of teams here where they probably aren't looking for that type of guy. Yeah. So you're, you're basically hoping for, you know, uh, a dozen teams that will pick you. And there maybe only a couple of those teams are even looking for a running back in the draft. So it, like, it's not like a lot of, he got like a fifth round talent, like just on pure talent, and, and peer uh, and, and like you know measurables got like fifth round grades for some guys, but that's not like a grade for a guy is one thing. Uh, the reality of the draft is a different thing, and the reality of the draft right now, uh, outside of guys like Saquon Barkley and and the fucking crazy Seahawks, um, <laughs> is 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 that yeah. running backs don't get drafted early in the draft and 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 if they do get drafted it's very late and that by that time if you're like the 10th best running back on on the list then you better hope that they have a huge yeah. run on running backs to get drafted yeah well i mean even the seahawks their current starting running back is a seventh rounder so who by the way is a absolute physical monster Right. Yeah. Like, you look at you guys like seriously, this guy, like Chris Carson, the seventh round. Right. And, and Chris Carson is booby if booby was bigger. <laughs> yeah, like three and, inches and some, taller and, and, and somehow the same than. athleticism. Right. Like like if he yeah, if he was three inches taller, 30 pounds heavier and the same exact athleticism. Yeah. That's Chris Carson. Exactly. So, yeah. You know, so I mean, 
whatever, you know, good for Booby. Good, good that he's, you know, he's got a, he's got a deal to go prove himself. I don't, I don't think he should have stayed for another year. I don't think that, I don't think that at all. I'm just like, you know, like if he's ready to go, go, go get it. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, put another year of wear and tear and, you know, there's no guarantee. I mean, people are like, Oh, he went undrafted. So that means he should have come back. And I'm like, well, no, because that assumes that by coming back, his stock improves. I mean, there's, I mean, there's, all, there's, there's, there's all sorts of ways. Yeah. I mean, there's all sorts of ways his stock could go down. Yeah. And, and so it's not like the floor, if he sticks around for another year, it's not like the floor is the undrafted deal he just signed. Yeah. Like that's, that's not the floor. The floor is he explodes his knee and can't sign a deal for, with anybody you know, or whatever, you know, it's the, especially when you're talking Travis long deal, right. You know I mean? It's so, you know, it's the floor is like way below what he just did, you know? So you go, okay, could he have improved his stock? Maybe, you know, I'm not going to say that he couldn't have, I'm not going to tell people that, Hey, if he comes back, he definitely is in the same position. I I don't know, you know, who knows, maybe he puts on another 10 pounds and, you know, becomes a little bit more of a bruiser and North South guy and, improves his stock, you know, that's always a possibility, but there's also the possibility that, you know, he rips up his knee and he's actually in a worse position. So, you know, like the position he's in right now is not that bad of a position. It's not that, you know, I I don't know, like people talk about like somehow being undrafted is, you know, some sort of like massive failure. And I'm like, no, I mean, he signed an undrafted free agent deal. It's not, it's not a tryout. Like, Palur and Moulton and all these other guys are getting, he signed an undrafted free agent deal, which means he's going to be in their camp this fall. Like, it's not like he's having a tryout here next week. He's going to be in the Kansas city chiefs camp this fall. He's going to get a month to show what he can do. He's going to get some preseason games. Like, you know, this is a great shot. It's an absolutely great shot. So, you know, good for him. And this is not a bad place to be. And, you know, go get him, go get him kid. Absolutely. And honestly, like, Booby's a great story, and yeah. and that kid has worked his ass off, and I've I fully believe we we will uh, see him uh, catching balls and 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 running running balls like uh, this fall um, and beyond the preseason and even in regular season. I think we'll get to root root, root a position player on um, this year. Uh, so yeah, that's great. But yeah, you know, it's you know, you you can say you know, obviously it's like you said, but like you know, you could say maybe last year with Herc Hercules, uh, yeah, maybe maybe he could have stayed another year because he plays a position where adding twenty pounds could make a big difference, and and in terms of you know NFL eyes or whatever, but um, and he he obviously had the the shittiest of circumstances happen and um we're hoping it gets better this year but but yeah so uh go booby um go gardner go go andre go all the rest of those guys in rookie camps uh hopefully we get to see them in in uniforms uh come august um that's always fun um but yeah so uh enough about uh wsu um let's uh let's 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 uh laugh at you dub a little bit jeff yeah, so UW apparently has two quarterbacks transferring, which two all, uh, like yeah, top former one hundred like star low, guys, four yeah. star guys, you know, two futures of the program. But what's hilarious is so these are two guys who 
are ostensibly the third and fourth string quarterbacks. <laughs> and apparently UW Twitter is, is, is having a moment. Well, well we do them. know their names are not Jake. That is true. Well, one of them is. Well, one of them. One of them. One of them is not. See, the one that is is Jake. I. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what he's doing. It's like he, he betrayed his destiny or something. I want him to stay. Kind of. All, all UW quarterbacks should be Jake. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. But, anyways, yeah. So, you get two guys transferring. Um, UW, uh, not even just Twitter. I mean, you got one of the most uh, prominent UW voices there is. Yeah, Brock, Brock Heward. Brock Heward. Puyallup uh, native Brock Heward. Puyallup of of the Puyallup Hewards. That's right. Um, uh, they're they're somewhat famous. I think the reason I knew how to say Puyallup when I was a kid is because of the Hewards <laughs> and the and the fair, of course. But uh, yeah. So by the way, there's there's a there's a bit of a it's not really a debate, but there's definitely if you ever listen to Brock Heward's show and he says it. You'll hear him. He say, he pronounces it more like Puyallup, like like Puyallup, kind of like that, instead of Puyallup, which is kind of how everyone else pronounces it. So apparently that's yes, the yes. way he pronounces it is kind of an old, um, an old, uh, an old way of pronouncing it that that kind of old timey uh, Puyallup people, Puyallup people I say. Think, but I think Brock Heard fashions himself an, an old yeah. guy at times. Yeah. Um. But but uh. Yeah. So Brock. Um, yeah pass on quitters them. they're real quitters uh he's like i i understand it but i don't like it yeah so jeff uh i know you uh on the on on the podcast versus everyone uh that's at pod versus everyone on twitter um some spicy takes uh directed at uh brock about uh, how he was never really in the same situation at yeah all. Well, uh, so go go through that for us. Yeah, I mean, so there's like a couple things that are sort of hilarious about this. One is um, Brock, and then and then also the fans, and, and I do expect it from fans. Like like I think you expect Absolutely. fans to to be sort of idiots. And and, I mean, and by the way, that's not just Husky fans. That's all fans. Like like of course people are going to be. I mean, we just got done talking about how our fans reacted to James Williams not getting drafted, right? Like I mean, this is just this. You know, fans are most interested in their team. So that so whatever benefits or doesn't benefit their team is what they're going to care about. And, you know, so whatever, but I would expect, you know, I would hope that Brock, particularly as a, as a quarterback himself could be a little more, um, reasoned about, and, you know, and obviously Twitter's not maybe the best place for, um, <laughs> you know, well-reasoned, well thought out, um, you know, statements and arguments or whatever, but, you know, so just don't the fact put that, them there. Yeah. So, I mean, just the fact that he said, you know, I, I, I understand, but I don't like it. It's like, well, what are these kids supposed to do? Like, just sit there and waste their eligibility waiting for oh, yeah. somebody like, to get hurt? Like, like if, just think about this next year. If whoever wins the starting job between Gunnar Cruz or Cam and Cooper, do you honestly think that the other one is going to stay? Nor do I think they should. Yeah, no. And I, yeah, you and have this two, the, two four-star yeah, quarterbacks. Uh, four-star recruits who could have went to other power five schools right and and they and and do you like oh so if cam and cooper wants a job is gunner gonna stay for and then just wait so he can his retro senior year yeah. play i mean like, they, they came to uw to try their luck and they believed that they could win it 
And then and, Jacob Eason transferred in. Yeah, and then the situation changed, right? Jacob Eason transfers in, and it also appears that Peterson really likes, you know, Hayner. And so now you've got these two guys who are apparently battling it out for the starting job in the fall. And then you've got these two other guys, you know, who are about to be redshirt freshmen who like what? Like they stick around for another year. Then what? Right. Like they, you know, they, they've already used their red shirt. So, OK, great. So now let's say they stick around for another year. Well, then if they decide to transfer now, they're. They've, they've now lost, they will lose an entire year unless they go to a junior college, you know, and so they're looking at, you know, two years tops wherever they end up, uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, now's, now's the time for them to go. It makes sense. Like it's, it's just kind of silly to me and, you know, Tory Hall or Ter- sorry, Terry Holloman, uh, you know, also had a tweet about, I was a running back with. What do you say, Rashawn Sheehy and Napoleon Kaufman? Wait, and, I, I don't know. How, how do you portray oh, eye rolling on? I mean, on, I'm on like a, on a podcast. I'm uh, like, we should start recording it video because, oh. like, my eyes are. I can see behind my head. My yeah, eyes are so, so far so back. Back. It's. Well, I mean, number one. Let Let's put it. Let Let's say this. If you can't recognize that quarterback is a little bit different than every other position, then you know you're an idiot. And so it's like, and if you're a football player who played at a division one program and you can't recognize the quarterback is different, you're really an idiot. Like, it's just like, like use your brain for half a second. I'll bet Holloman was out there playing special teams and doing all kinds of stuff. And still got you know, some carries. Like, yeah, if, if you're the third, third string quarterback, you will never, you're play. never touching the ball you in a live game play. ever. You probably unless, unless you're the holder, holder, maybe you're the holder. <laughs> like that's if you're, about it. If you're just so good at holding, yep. like maybe you get to touch the ball yep. in that. And I'm sure you're super satisfied with your life if that's all yeah. you do is hold the ball. Yeah. But yeah, like you're warming up, like you're you're warming up the backup quarterback if if uh, if QB one looks maybe injured. That's that's your that's the highlight of that's your your job. Yep. You're you're hoping like for um. Uh, WSU 2009 epic, uh, or was it 2008? I get whatever yeah, year, right? Or uh, you got no, broken backs, and broken, broken like, necks, broken and... backs and necks everywhere. Like right. you're looking for that epic of like a horrible thing. So right. yeah, it, but running back, like th- there's no even even like even um fucking a, a Wisconsin feature back doesn't get every single carry. Like it's like. Uh, you know, even a you know a guy from the Big Ten, like where they they love their forty carry a game guys, like they don't you know Saquon Barkley guys like that, like they don't they don't get they don't get uh there's still other running backs that come in and touch the ball, like there's even a fullback that gets to touch the ball once in a while, like Max Strong scored touchdowns in his career, like yeah. it, you know it's like being any sort of running back. Is completely different. Being and literally any other position other than maybe other, kicker or punter. Yeah, but like, like those are the only kickers. positions where it's one, only one person plays. Yeah, like exactly. every other position, you know, like, well, like you look at, so example for WSU, Keith Harrington, right? You know, yeah. like, yeah, he got, I don't know, five carries this year or whatever it was, but yet he was out there on just about every special teams unit. You know, I mean, you know, he played. Even though maybe it wasn't what he would want or whatever. Same thing also, with Robert dude, Lewis, shout, right? Shout out to 
both those guys. Yeah. Uh, Keith Harrington and Robert Lewis. Keith Harrington yeah. was a legit legitimate factor his retro freshman year. Yeah. And then Booby came and he just was like barely touched the ball after that. And but yep. he was the dude was more fired up to make a special teams play yep. than anyone. Yeah, and, so it's just and then different. Robert than Lewis out there came just... back for came back for a sixth year. Yeah. And you got one touchdown and a blowout, and you know, I, you never heard a you know word from him, and, and and but but yeah, it's like but yeah, quarterback, it's just completely different, and and, and it's just uh, you can't blame these kids for wanting to have an opportunity to play. Like what, like it, what are you supposed to do? Like yeah. it's it's just like double standard where where you want the the guys to be competitive, but you don't want them to. Like, like you, if a coach decides uh, a, a guy is above you, like it's very hard to change his mind after that yeah. because because that guy's getting the reps and you're not. Yeah, and it's like, I think the other thing to point out, and you alluded to this earlier, it, it, college football quarterback recruiting has really changed oh, yeah. in the last. Uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't, I don't know how far back this goes, but it's at least like four or five years. The top programs, it used to be, they would recruit like one guy and they, they would be the, like basically designated the guy for whatever, two, three, four years. So you would, you know, you would sort of recruit, especially if you landed a really high level guy. You know, you would recruit this high level dude and then you would spend maybe two years not recruiting really anyone other than like, you know, just basically like a guy fit to be a backup. And they'd be recruited with the idea that, hey, you're basically going to be the backup and guys would be like, all right, I'm going to be the backup. That's cool. So you'd follow up a you know, a, a, a high four-star kid like, say, Brock Heward <laughs> with, you know, like a, a, a mid-three-star kid who, you know, probably otherwise would not get an offer from Washington but gets a chance to go to Washington, right? And so that's what it used to be. Well, now, I mean, high-level programs like Alabama, like Georgia, which is how Eason ends up at Washington, right? Like Washington, like USC, like it just doesn't matter. They are recruiting the best kid they can recruit every damn year. And they just go, you know what? We're just going to add a bunch to the pile. And, you know, however it works out is how it works out. And what you're seeing is, you know, okay, so when a Jake Fromm, you know, wins a job at Georgia and Jacob Eason is a year ahead of him. And it's like, wait a second. Like I'm never, ever, ever going to win this job back unless the guy gets hurt or unless he declares for the draft in two more years. Right. Cause he was a true freshman. Like, like you'd be stupid not to transfer. Like, why wouldn't you? That's just silly. So it's like, you know, and then you see, you know, Tate Martell and, you know, I mean, all these guys, right. I mean, there's tons of guys who do this now. It, it, like, I don't begrudge them at all. And and so for Brock Heward to say, uh, you know, I, I, I understand it, but I don't like it. And I'm like, bro, like they didn't recruit anyone. So they're, so they recruited Damon Heward to be the starter for basically for three years. Right. 
recruited a couple of like nobodies to fill in between Damon Heward and Brock Heward. And then after Brock Heward, they didn't recruit anybody for two more years. They recruited Marcus Tuiasasopo two years after they signed Heward, which if I remember right, this is the thing, like it's tough to know because recruiting services were not as comprehensive, you know, back then. But, you know, if I remember right, I mean, Tuiasasopo wasn't even like a, um, you know, he, he was not like a high four-star kid, if I remember right. He was considered kind of a project. You know, there were questions about his throwing ability, I think, if I remember right. So anyway, you know, it's just yeah, like – Yeah, it, yeah, I think you're but right. But yeah, and there was a thought that, okay, Hubert, probably a guy who – and again, this, you know, is the thing. Like he's probably a guy who, you know, he red shirts and then starts for three years and then probably leaves after his junior year. And, you know, that's probably the soonest we really have to worry about having another guy. Well, they don't do that anymore, you know? So look, if you go and you, and you try your luck and it doesn't work out, then I mean, by all means move like that's, it's kind of silly. It's silly not to, like, I would think less of a guy if he didn't go, I'd be like, well, what is it that you want? So like when Terry Holloman says, well, I stuck it out. I'm like, well, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you were happy with your mediocre career where you never played, you know, I mean, like, are you supposed to get a certificate for that or a cookie? Yeah, maybe, like, maybe you could have went to San Jose State. Yeah, and like maybe, the ball, exactly. Like, maybe run you go, for a thousand yards or something. Yeah, you know? go to San Jose State, San Diego State, go to, you know, whatever, Colorado State. I mean, I don't know. You know, it's like, you know, maybe you go somewhere else and, and you carry the ball a bunch and, and then maybe you're, I mean, maybe you're a pro. I mean, who knows, right? But, you know, if you were okay yeah, maybe, not playing maybe, maybe for you, four Maybe you years, go to Alabama if, and be the third string quarterback or maybe yeah, you go to WSU and exactly. you're a starter. And, and the irony of it all is that they're like killing these two guys for leaving when their maybe starter, their probably starter is a guy who left the same kind of situation. Yep. So like, are you, are you crucifying that kid, <laughs> you know, or, or is it just the guys who are leaving because you like your team and, and you're like, no, this is going to hurt my team, which I think it's probably that. I think so. Usually. Well, well speaking of transfers, um, uh, let's just transition on out of this. Yeah. And on to our most favorite sport. Yeah. Uh, Kyle it's been Smith a while ball. since we've devoted some real time to Nerdball. Yeah, and I think this is going to be a long podcast. But, um, but uh, yeah, so uh, Kyle Smith, Mr. Nerdball, has his very first commitment, which at this point in the game seems like also like a signing, right? Yeah. Yeah, because it's signing period. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it he hasn't is been the, announced, so he hasn't signed yet. But yeah, he hasn't. Yeah, obviously. But um, we'll believe uh, all that have said it. Um, uh, Dion James, uh, a six eight. Uh, maybe. Six, <laughs> maybe we'll talk about that. Who knows? But maybe six uh, eight ish, two hundred fifty pound ish. Got tra- sorry, big burp there. Sorry, a big transfer from uh, Colorado State via. A few other places. Um, really, only has about two years of uh, Division One data for us to look at. Uh, most recent being uh, two years ago, because last year he actually redshirt, redshirted, is, however you say that. Yep. Um, redshirted because he uh, uh, messed up his knee uh, in August before the season started. 
so uh, he hasn't played since 2017-2018 uh, season. Um, Dion James, and he uh, essentially Jeff. Uh, to me, um, I think when uh, when uh, Smith is coming in, he's like, especially if it looks like uh, Wade is going to leave, um, he needed another another guy on the front line. Um, let me just, uh, I'll give, I'll, I'll let you get into first impressions before I do. But yeah, obviously uh, a small, another uh, a small front court player. He played power forward and center at Colorado State, which he's uh, very undersized for that. Yeah. Um, but but uh, but beyond that, go go ahead. Give me, give me your first impressions. Yeah, I mean, he was probably miscast there. Um, the reason I said about the the six eight thing. So he was six eight when he was at uh, North Carolina A and T. He was six eight when he was at Pima Community College in Arizona. He was six eight in his first year at Colorado State, and then last year he was six six. So I don't know, (laughs) like they did get a new coach last year. So I don't know if the new coach was like, you know what? We're committed to honesty and integrity around here. So we're actually going to list you at your real height. Honestly, if you look at his statistical profile, six, six makes a hell of a lot more sense. It does. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if they, they want him to seem small. I I have no idea. Um, maybe, maybe they, uh, but the, the, uh, you Stacy and and all the other previous coaches uh, yeah. didn't didn't want to uh, anyone to notice that they were playing a six six guy at center. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe I don't know, or maybe you know nobody actually, or maybe ever, maybe, maybe nobody he, measured him. Maybe he and, shrunk. Yeah, I mean maybe nobody ever actually measured him, and then they measured him. And were like, well, shit, he's six six. Um, or maybe last year, and so maybe this is. It. I mean, like I said, we're just sort of like throwing shit out here, but. Um, you know, maybe last year they were going to play him as more of a, of a wing. And so they wanted him to, wanted him to be six, six. I don't know. Like, I honestly, honestly don't know. So anyway, it's, um, so it's tough to know exactly how tall he is. I do know that, um, so I, you know, I can say like things that he, um, that he does well. Um, he has one skill that, that he does well, which is offensive rebounding. Um, he's, he's a pretty good offensive rebounder. All of his other skills, I would say. It is one year at Colorado State that he played, um, I, I would call below average, um, just in terms of what you would want from a from a guy his size. Um, not not a prolific defensive rebounder, um, not a good shooter really. Um, shot a lot of two point jumpers, which is uh, you know not a not a great deal. Um, that's always something that unless somebody's very good at it, will will sort of drive down your efficiency. So not a very efficient offensive player. So my, my sense is probably a couple things. One is that, um, it, one thing I did notice is his statistics suggest that he, um, reasonably decent at handling the ball, reasonably dis- decent at passing. So, um, he kind of fits what Smith is looking for in terms of, uh, you know, a guy who can do, you know, different things and multiple things. So the interchangeable piece. Um, and then, you know, you don't really know um, what a guy does defensively just from looking at stats, you know, without breaking down a bunch of film. And so, and so I know that, you know, Smith and his staff are breaking down film and I'm, my guess would be, you know, he's a defensive oriented guy um, that he's a guy that they think they can get some excellent defensive minutes out of while also being serviceable, um, offensively, you know, he was an excellent scorer during his year in community college. 
Um, that didn't translate to the Mountain West uh, in his first year. Tough to know exactly why that is. One thing I noticed was that um, he was ba- he was basically playing power forward, um, and then he was also the backup center. So his coach that year, Larry Eustace, was his last year at Colorado State. Um, kind of his second unit uh, involved involved James as the center. <laughs> and so they, they had a lineup that basically ran like, you know, six, two, six, three, six, three, six, 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 eight or six, six or whatever he actually is. And so, hello, you know, Ernie Kent. Is yeah. You? Yeah. And so, you know, that'll, um, you know, presuming he was, you know, playing against some bigger defenders. Um, that's definitely something that might lead to more two point jumpers. You know, if you feel like you can't get to the rim against those taller guys, um, you know, so I'm just kind of spitballing here, but kind of wondering why he had so many jumpers. That could be why, um, you know, and also his, his two point percentage at the rim wasn't great either. Um, and again, if he was, you know, sometimes a lot of times being matched up against bigger guys, if it turns out he's actually six, six, right. And not six, eight, he's playing power forward. You know, that would sort of explain a lot of, um, you know, a lot of kind of what looked like that sort of stuff. So maybe if he's, you know, he was a, he was a pretty good scorer at community college, um, shot the three pointer competently at community college, you know, maybe if he's a three instead of a four for us, um, you know, he could be useful and, and maybe be a little more efficient than what, what he was there. And I, and I also know that Smith sort of runs an offensive system. That's really a, a threes and layups kind of system. And so uh, maybe if he can get away from those inefficient shots, he can, you know, provide a little more value offensively. Well, yeah. And, and I'm sure you're doing the same thing I'm doing. You're, you're just look like, because we now have a coach that at least, you know, just seems like he knows what the fuck he's doing. Um, you look at uh, a guy that either he's looking at or a guy he's bringing in and you just look for, you know, reasons why he might be bringing him in. And, and you and you talked about uh, those points. So, yeah, you know, I, I saw some of the same things. Like, he definitely looks defensive-oriented. He looks like he's probably athletic, uh, given his block percentage is fairly high. Um, yeah, it's not too and, bad. And, and his steal percentages have been pretty decent, especially if he's playing power forward. Uh, to His steal percentage is pretty good. Um, and, and especially if he's actually 6'6", his block percentage is pretty good. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, and honestly, like, so I, yeah, his shooting percentages are bad. Um, but to, to be so, uh, two point jumper oriented and still shoot f- uh, almost 49% from two is pretty good. Um, like if, if you're looking at a guy who's taking a lot of mid range jumpers, uh, you would expect those to be more around 40%. 45% shots. Um, so if he's not taking a lot of shots at the rim um, and he's not shooting those very well, uh, his, if, if he can shoot the mid range, his free throws, even though he didn't get to the line that much because he shoots mostly mid range jumpers, and you're not getting to the line in that case. Um, decent free throw shooter, obviously not his freshman year. He was not, but um, most freshmen improve. Uh, his lot, his year at Colorado State much better um, when he has more regular playing time. Um, I, I I could see him as a guy that shoots a hell of a lot more three pointers next year, um, especially in specific spots. Um, given uh, uh, this staff's analytical prowess, what it's going yeah. to be, I'm sure you go, they're going to put guys in the positions uh, where they they shoot the best. 
Um, so I could see him, you know, obviously I have not seen any film on this guy. I'm looking at his Ken Palm statistical profile and, and, you know, his hoop math statistical profile, uh, um, which breaks down the shots he takes. Uh, but I, I, I'm seeing a guy that I'm not, I'm not trying to be, you know, I, I think overall it's a, it's a, it's a meh. Uh, yeah, but, I mean but, it's but, you but, know, you, you got see, but you got to have guys to fill out the roster. Yeah, I mean you do and and we weren't going to pull the best grad transfers. No. And this is a I mean I don't know if we it is a grad transfer he's playing next yep. year. Um yep. but Wonderful. it but it but uh you know you got a guy that probably has some athleticism. Uh probably has a decent shot that that you can work with. Um and also he's not afraid to shoot. He had pretty good usage rates for uh you know you know, it, it's not a, you know, like a Jeff Pollard 10% shot percentage. Here. Right. Like, it, it's a guy that will, you know, shoot the ball. Yeah. Um, so, it's a guy that, you know, probably if, you, if you're if you Smith and his staff, it's a guy you can have some skill sets that you can work with and, and maybe utilize. And, 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 and yeah, it, it, it's, don't, don't freak out over this. Like, it's not. It's not amazing, like it's, but we weren't gonna get like we're like we need we need grad transfers next year. Yep. We needed we needed grad transfers next year. We're losing a bunch of guys. If if we're if if we're gonna improve next year, we need just some bodies, man. Yep. And, and so guys who have experience and know it, how to play, yep, and, and exactly. they're gonna bring you something versus the and and look, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do this so much over the next year. Um, comparing what Kyle Smith is doing to what Ernie Kent did. But, you know, I mean, our, our fans probably remember that Ernie just seemed to be grabbing high school players off the street and, and all of them transferred eventually, either within a year or two years, most of them after the first year when it was clear they could not play at this level, um, either couldn't get on the floor or got on the floor and, and just couldn't do anything. And so, you know, it's, I would rather this. And, and I, I think the best part is, I, I think there's two really good parts. One is that he brings you some experience. Um, you know, he's, he, he knows, he knows how to play. He's physically mature. Like he's, he's just kind of ready for that piece of it. And, and that's an important thing. And then the other thing is that, um, he's only taken up a scholarship for a year. You know, and so right. for you, you know, this is really what you sort of call year zero, right? And kind of whatever you get on year zero, you're hoping to add guys who will make you a little bit better next year, right? And so, and I, again, like I said, with his offensive skills being kind of eh, you know, I tend to think he's probably a pretty decent defender or they think they can make him into one. Um, you know, and so fine, you know, get a, get a guy in there who's going to eat up some minutes and, um, you know, maybe be a decent defender and hold down a scholarship for a year while they go hit the recruiting trail and really then go and try and identify and sign some guys that are going to form the, you know, the foundation of the program. I think that's, um, I, I think it's a good strategy, I man. I don't think you want to fill, you know, I don't think you want like five grad transfers, you know, but, you know, two or maybe even three, I don't think is a bad idea. Like, I think that's, um, you know, I, I think Texas Tech showed, and I know that, you know, you, you run the risk of, uh, uh, you know, getting yourself into trouble if you point to, 
you know, what maybe is an outlier and rely on that too much. But I mean, Texas Tech had like, you know, three grad transfers in their starting lineup, you know. So, you know, you just go, okay. And, you know, that's that's not I think a little bit of the stigma has been removed there that you're you're adding these guys for one year and all of this, you know, maybe that's asking for a disaster. Well, you know, I think that Calipari showed you can win a championship with a bunch of first year guys and you know, Texas Tech came dang near close to showing you could win a championship with a bunch of one-year guys, but on the other end. So, uh, you know, I'm not afraid of grad transfers. And I, you know, if, if they, if we got like three, you know, that wouldn't, that wouldn't bother me in the slightest. Well, and, and like we've talked about before, uh, you, you need some results at, at some point you have to, to. You to, have to. to be able to recruit in the future. Yep. And, and it, you can't spend all these, you know, all these scholarships as you can have available on freshmen, uh, on the freshmen that are available and that, that he could pull and, and expect to have good results next year. Like you, you're, you got to bring in some experienced bodies, some, you know, some muscle and, and, and some guys that, you know, that, that know what they're doing. And so it's that you can plug and play right away. Otherwise, Otherwise, you're just going to have a lost season, and that's going to serve you no purpose whatsoever. Yep. And um, I can tell you, yep. they they do not want that. They are not okay with next season being a lost season. They they really, really, and that that's something I'm going to write about. Um, that's well, kind and, of the and, last and, thing. And I don't think Pat Chun is okay with that. No, and, no, yeah. I don't think so either. So, and I mean, even if even if he wasn't, I mean. Smith's got a six-year contract. I mean, he could he could do it, you know, how he wants to do it. Right. Um, but but they don't want to do that. They they do not want to establish a culture of of losing. They they just don't. And they, uh, you know, I can tell you from from the interview I did with him. One of the things we talked about just very briefly because it was at the end. But um, you know, I mentioned Texas Tech. I'm like, you know, is that is that something you guys look at? And he was like, yeah. Absolutely. Like I, we took the team and sat them down and we watched that game. And I said, that could be you basically I'm paraphrasing, but, but basically like that, that could be us. That, that is us. That's, that's Texas tech. That's a, that's a school that's really similar to us. Like, so anyway, they're, they don't, they, they just, I, I, and I think they also don't think you have to take a step back. I mean, I don't, I, I think they feel like that we can do this. Well, dear God, I hope we can't take a step back. Well, yeah, but I just mean like, you know, basically treading water while you turn over the players. Right. That's just not. And offering excuses. Just excuse, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just excuse. not something that's not something they want to do. So. So, yeah, they're they're out there grinding. And I think, you know, on the one hand, like I would love to hear more signings. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of getting yes. a little antsy. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's also, you know, I mean, I guess it should be comforting that they're not just you know, grabbing whoever they can grab. So. Yeah, man. Um, so, uh, what do you think? We, we talk about some, uh, some kiddos, some pop culture, or do we, do we let these people, uh, (laughs) I don't know. We can talk about one more thing. I mean, let's, uh, I don't know. You want to talk about, you want to talk about Avengers? I haven't seen it yet, but. Well, I've, I've definitely seen it. You Um, saw it. Yeah. Uh, of course, uh, my, my lovely partner, uh, my lovely partner knows that I desperately needed, uh, to see that movie and just, you know, she's cool. You know, I go, I go she's by extremely my, cool. I go by myself to the movie, which is 
uh, after after the bee went to sleep. So nine nine p.m. showing on on Thursday and uh, uh, for a three hour movie, which I did <laughs> limited my water intake and didn't get a soda or anything at the movie theater just so yeah. I could not miss any of it. And I do I recommend not missing any of that movie, but um, it's very uh, they cram as much as they can in three hours. Uh, you're almost like you probably could have made two, two and a half hour movies out of this if you wanted to. Um, but uh, but yeah, so um, I went by myself, Jeff, which uh, uh, we had a little after podcast chat last week. And uh, you pointed out that you like the Marvel movies, but uh, Sarah doesn't. And then you you made a comment where. You can't go to the, but you know, you can't go to the movie by yourself. And, uh, I of course don't agree with that. <laughs> it, it's, it's a dark room and, and you don't, and the, and the thing that everyone hates is talking. Yeah, that uh, is true. Uh, that is so, true. Um, um, whatever. Like Amanda hasn't seen the movie, so obviously I can't talk about it with her. Honestly, she's not the person that I like talking about Marvel movies with anyway, because she hates almost every single one of them. Um, so I'm just like, I don't want to talk about it with you anyway, you know? So, so, uh, so she's cool with me seeing it and she knows I have other people to talk about it with. So, although, you know, we talk about spoilers, so I can't really talk about it with, you know, you have to like check with someone. Have you seen it? Can we talk? Can we talk about it? No, (laughs) it's like Game of Thrones. Although Game of Thrones seems fairly spoiled this last episode. If you're anywhere on the internet. Yeah. Um, I don't even know how you could possibly. I see lots of references that I don't understand. Like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I see. But yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of gifts and stuff from like, I feel like would just spoil. But, but anyways, but, but yeah. So uh, Jeff, I, one thing you mentioned on, on your, uh, when we were talking, uh, your, your, your youngest Atticus has never seen uh, 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 Infinity War. And obviously, he's never seen uh, Endgame. Uh, but he, I know, like, I saw him in a picture uh, the other day rocking uh, an Infinity War shirt. And, 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 and you uh, said he, he really likes Thanos. <laughs> he and, does and, like and Thanos. You need to have this kid watch those movies before <laughs> he says this in public. So, okay, so hold on. So he did actually see Infinity War last, basically watched it over the weekend. Okay, so, so we finally from our last conversation yes. to now. Yes. So does between, he still love Thanos? He – see, here's the thing. Well, he's seven, right, which is why we he hadn't watched Infinity War yet. Of course. Because we were just like, oh, man. Like, it, you know, it's funny. Like, some PG-13 movies are, like – Fine. Like, okay, so we went and saw Ant-Man and the Wasp over the summer when he was six, and it was fine. That's like, yeah, that, like, very different from Infinity. Yeah, like they're like it's it's goofy, it's whatever, whatever. I mean, PG-13 is because there's like I think like one f-bomb in there, and I think that's it. I mean, yeah, Basically. Infinity where you start out with uh, yeah, some pretty, some pretty uh, yeah, some gruesome s- deaths like right, right in the first ten minutes. Yeah, you know, and then it's like there are parts of the movie where I don't know half of a town is getting slaughtered. Like it's just like you know, so there's we always just kind of went, man, it is so intense. Like it's so intense. Like I can't. I can't do this, you know, as bad as he wants to see it. So we finally caved. 
we finally caved and was like, okay, I guess, you know, I don't know. Like, like parenting is full of these decisions where you're like, I don't know. I don't know. So I, whatever. So anyway, so he did see it and came away from it. I think like, and this, and this is, we had to have a little chat. So you're going to, you're going to probably laugh at this. (laughs) He kind of goes, well, you know, I mean, Thanos basically wanted what was best. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. We have to have Dude, right you, now. You, your kid is like a Redditor <laughs> commenter right now. I know. And I'm like, oh, my God, we have to talk right now. I'm like, OK, yeah, like I'm thinking, OK, how do I communicate to my seven year old that this guy is a, a murderer? terrorist guy and uh yeah i don't think i succeeded either it's just you know he's seven his brain just doesn't quite sort of grasp the idea of i think of evil basically I, you know I, I, the more i tried to kind of be like no he was a bad person like you don't murder people even if it seems like it's for a good reason you know and and you know he just kind of wasn't getting it because i like i said I, I think there was a little bit of a cognitive thing going on there so well, i know so I'll, 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 I'll tell you endgame is uh worse uh more intense yeah but uh by the end of endgame uh i i mean the 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 any 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 uh any part of thanos that you could potentially argue is is positive is probably probably undone by by the end of end game so i yeah like <laughs> Which does i does not surprise me yeah yeah so yeah it's so uh, yeah there's uh yeah the the yeah, you know, I think you saw like you could you could read plenty of message boards that like yeah. Thanos had a point, man. Yeah. Thanos had a point, but yeah. um, I'm they do a, a pretty good job in Endgame of uh, disproving his point and then also um, yeah. showing his true nature. So well, and like, I think I, I was gonna say I think the sort of the magic of Marvel and, and why I think Marvel has you know I, I think there are a lot of reasons why Marvel has become sort of the preeminent you know, comic book franchise with movies. But, but I think, I think honestly the biggest one is that their villains are sort of these, you know, you can go, okay, they're bad people, but you know, in in the, in the better movies. Yeah. Yeah. With the better movies, you know, you can do that with just about all of them where it's like, okay, this, they're not these, you know, sort of two dimensional, you know, just sort of evil caricatures. They're the bad guy in the, Ronan in the first well he's also right. in Captain Marvel but in in, uh, in in Guardians of the Galaxy he's just that one of those straight up just bad dudes who like is just out to murder everyone but yeah I think one thing I did love about Infinity War is that Thanos he he was the main character of that movie yeah and and, and it was it was his his development was the most interesting thing about that movie and and so uh i i you know if i'm thinking about a seven-year-old watching it 
you know, you know, there, you know, Thanos cries over losing someone. He, you know, like maybe and he actually mentioned that he's like, yeah, he was really sad about Gamora, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, he was, but what did he also but, do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, so what did he? While well, he was sad, and, and uh, well, and here's the other thing. So he was convinced also that you know, by the end of the movie, he's like, well, they're not really dead. You know, I know they're not really dead. And I'm like, okay. So like, if you're a seven year old and you know, you're convinced, right, in your brain. Well, I mean, he, he must. He didn't I mean, actually kill a, He's probably seen a trailer for Spider-Man: Far From Home. Right. Uh, which and 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 spoiler alert, but come on, the movie's three years old, uh, or I guess it's a year. I don't know. Like, freaking watch Infinity War. It's on Netflix. Uh, but like, Spider-Man uh, dies in in uh, Infinity War, and even before. Endgame has come out. There's a there's a trailer for Spider-Man: Far From Home, which takes place after Endgame. So yes, you know that they're not really dead. They, like right. you, you know that you know those are the stakes. So they're I think that definitely up. helped him kind of and, make sense out of all of it. Yeah, yeah. but uh, but I think that um, there's some there's going to be some parts in Endgame that maybe watch it first and then fast forward. Uh, but, but, uh, cause there, you know, uh, there, there's some parts that I don't, I don't think an eight year old or seven year old should yeah, I'm not watch, I'm um, not on it. but yeah. And I mean, it's a three hour movie. I feel like someone could make like a two hour, eight year old cut, like, like a, a cut, for, <laughs> like there's plenty in there. That would be that, awesome. Actually, like, eight, <laughs> like a seven or eight year old could yeah. watch. But yeah. then there's like probably an hour of stuff where it's like, eh, no, not so much. Also, uh, I don't think it's a spoiler, but Captain America straight up cusses multiple times that movie, like PG 13 cusses. Like, but obviously, still. but, but like one of All his Americans is Captain that he won't America. Cuss, and then he straight up cusses. But anyways, uh, Endgame He's is had awesome. enough of this shit. Endgame is awesome. Uh, Maybe I'll try like, to find some time to watch it this week. I don't know. I probably will have to go by myself if I go yeah, see it. So. Yeah, I think maybe uh, when does yeah I don't know. Maybe it'll still be maybe it'll still be uh, uh, in theaters when school gets out for you and you can just. I'm go. sure that's it's like nine thirty showings time. right now for it. My I was I was hanging out with my uh, one of my my uncle Jim who has been featured on Baxter's Beer of the Game earlier today and. He went to a, a, a 9:30 showing this this morning, or to watch it. So it's, it's funny. Uh, that's that's how you make 1.2 billion dollars in a weekend. It's like <laughs> people are going, have, getting a coffee and going to the movie. Which hey, you know, like uh, I don't know what 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 time like what time of day do you pee the less is like the best yeah. time to go. Because it's not only a three hour movie. They do 20 plus minutes of previews before the three hour movie starts. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, so for me, it would be like, and this is probably way too much information, but if I started watching the movie at say eight 30, I'd probably be good. Cause that's like, you know, after I'm, I get up and, you know, take care of your morning, you know, my morning movement. Right. And then, uh, you know, drink some coffee and, you know, it's usually about 11, 1130 when, uh, when I need to pee pretty bad. You know, at school, so, so yeah, yeah. Okay. You just have to manage your fluid intake. That's that's what it is. Listen, I, as a teacher, I'm used to holding it. So oh yeah, absolutely. You know, whatever. 
I'm okay. I would survive. I would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you, you can do it. Hey, my pregnant sister went and saw it and she did, she is six months. Well, God uh, bless her. She She's about 12 weeks from due date and she went and saw it and did Bladders not just get pee. crushed. Yeah. Oh yeah. And she didn't go pee the whole movie. I'm so Pretty. proud of her. Uh, we were like, she even like, Got because you can like book your tickets now in a lot of theaters like you know the exact seat. So she got one like closest to the bathroom, ready to go at any moment to you know waddle on over. Uh, that's just for her waddle because that's what she's doing now. But uh, but yeah. So anyways, yeah uh, yeah. Go watch our game, Jeff. It's great. It's uh, I I will try to do that. It's an excellent. Uh, three hours man like i'll uh, try to do that between uh between this week and next no time wasted and that's like frustrating that there isn't actually yeah i, I can't even think of a time uh, there's maybe like i can think maybe a 10 second window when you could go yeah um but but yeah because it hits right off the bat but yeah but anyway so yeah um that that was our pop culture and kids segment yeah. Our, but yeah, and by the way, between speaking of things between last week and this, I've got I've got a little present for you here. Hold on. What? Hey, hey, that's enough. We have to pay for that. <laughs> no, no, we're gonna we're gonna have some commentary, which makes it fair use. Ah, fair use, baby. Yeah. To the old town road. Oh, we're doing the Billy Ray Cyrus version. Yeah, this is. I, I I wanted to go for the remix version. Yeah, it's it's about he, he adds an extra verse at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's okay. Jeff, how many times have you heard that since last? I've heard it since last week. I've heard it approximately 300 because they played it at every commercial break during the NFL draft. See, and and also what happens? It's like when you get a car, and suddenly you notice that everyone on the road has that same car. Yeah. That's exactly that you know this song exists. So true. Once you know the song exists, you hear it everywhere. Yeah. I got I gotta admit, by the way, it's it's a pretty good song. Like I like I'm not yeah, I'm I'm like I'm kinda disappointed. I never I I, I'm about three months late to this party or two months late, whatever it is. Hey, you're at the party now. I'm at still, the party still now. going strong. I'm ready to party. I'm the guy who shows up with a case of beer and is like, let's party. And everyone's already yeah, wasted. Yeah, but everyone was like. That's okay. You brought a case we of were, beer. You're we cool. were running out of booze, man. Yeah, you're good. Come on in. Let's keep it going. Let's party. <laughs> no, it's great. Should we argue about whether it's a country song? Because apparently that's the thing to do. Oh, no. Let, no, we shouldn't. Uh, I think it is <laughs> a music song. I I, I don't know. It, it, is it by Post Malone? No, I know it's not. I, <laughs> I mean, so that that was the argument, right? Like like I, I again, I'm sort of late to this, but this idea, like, okay, is it a country song or not? And Billboard was trying to figure out, do we put it on the on the country charts? And I'm like, it's a country song, like. I think it's a pop song. And I mean, I you, guess, you can put it on the but, country chart and the pop chart. Well, yeah, pop means I mean, popular. sure, but you know, a lot of country songs are like that too. I mean, yeah, but a lot of country songs aren't like crossover popular. They have a, they're very popular and they sell a ton of records. 
but yeah. they're they're like they they do very well in a very specific segment but this song does well i actually i don't know and i should because i have a lot of family members that are all about the country music i i don't know how well it does in the actual country like do they play this on country music stations i don't know the answer to that cuz that would be no. seem to, that would probably tell you where to put it i assume that when they came out with the billy ray cyrus uh remix it probably ended up on country stations but I, but see I, I remember in the 90s like um or even it even with like taylor swift like so 90s with uh i think her name was leanne rhymes she would uh she would make essentially they would make a pop version of her country songs which just meant they would take out the steel guitar and add like a pop beat in the background but but like everything else would be the same and they would be like this is the the pop version and then you have the other end of the spectrum where uh you would have um uh you would have i can't, I can't remember who uh like uh um there there would be an r&b group would make a song and then uh john michael montgomery would make a country version of it and, and so it, it was kind of like uh kind of like what uh what they did back in the 40s and 50s uh, but he would make a country version of it. So the R&B version would be a top hit on the pop charts. And then the country version would be a top hit on the... And that was very popular in the 90s uh, for country versions of pop hits. Uh, because you had to apparently like white folk them up uh, so they could uh, absorb the information. That's why I'm, 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 I'm wondering if actually... They would play Old Town Road because even the Billy Ray Cyrus version has like definite hit. It still has the hip hop beats and everything. Yeah. And and, it, and so I'm wondering if like they actually play that. Um. So if you listen to country music radio stations, please tell us. Please tell us uh, if they play that on country stations because I I don't I don't really listen to radio stations very much at all. I do listen to like the end occasionally and NPR. Um. But that's pretty much I mostly listen to NPR and podcasts in the car. So I, I if if you listen to a country music radio station, uh, get at us on, uh, on our Twitter or email. Let us know if you've actually heard the Old Town Road on your country station. Because yeah, I, that would I would probably, love to know. That would probably end the art. Like if they played on the country stations and the people who listen to country stations want to hear it and request it and they want to hear it over and over again, then yes, put it on the country chart. But but it, but it, but if but if like they put throw it on the country station, and they're like, what the hell is this? Get this off of our station right now, and and that because I definitely you definitely hear it on pop stations. So I don't so I don't know because um, I you know I you know you hear it at everywhere, so it must be everywhere. Yeah. I I don't know I I don't know it maybe maybe it's just the most transcendent hit of all time. Maybe that's, it's also short. Yeah, it's very short. It's like it, two it, minutes. Like that's yeah, yeah. The the original version is just over two minutes. The Billy Ray Cyrus version, where he adds a verse, is about two thirty. Yeah, it's incredibly short. Um, which uh, hey, that's like old school songs, very short. You know. Yeah. Like fifties, you know, back. Yeah. Back, back when uh, America was great. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> hey. Back there, when you could obstruct justice and get away with it, and people didn't like question you. Yeah, Just and do whatever you want, and we got run the, the country the way you see fit. We got the politics segment in. 
keep those brown people out of your country without courts getting in the way. You didn't think it would happen, but we got the. You didn't think it would happen. You had to wait. Wait, wait, where are we? You had to wait almost two hours to get there. (laughs) But we finally got there. I know. I I feel like uh, uh, your son's opinions on Thanos is politics. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a little. Maybe a little. Maybe Thanos is right. I know. Like, I got, I'm like, no, like, I can't, you know, I'm like, I just, you know, a little white supremacist in the making. I'm like, no, 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 we're not going to have this conversation. Like, he's an evil, awful person. We are not going to rationalize this. So, anyway, whatever. Don't go to 8chan, Atticus. (laughs) Atticus is going to found 12chan. Oh, so gross. Whoop. <laughs> Sorry. I pushed bonus content. All no, right. Stop doing that. Apparently I can't run my phone. Can't stop this song. You yeah, can't no. I don't know. Apparently I ain't nobody tell me nothing. Yeah, I was going to say you can't stop that song. It's everywhere. All right, man. Okay. This is officially and very much our This longest. is our longest episode. Pray, pray for I, anyone who makes it this far. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, thanks for uh, listening. Podcast versus everyone at gmail.com with questions and comments, especially the bad comments so I can make fun of you. Uh, yeah. Pod, at pod versus everyone on Twitter for Jeff's thoughts on things. Uh, pretty much uncensored thoughts because his name's not attached to <laughs> It's kind of. Um, and then, uh, it. You don't know if I wrote it or if it, Craig wrote it. Let's see, that's JN. Otherwise, it could be me. Right. Um, uh, I tweet from there sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, uh, if you want my tweets, it's at the Craig Powers. Uh, thank you for the people that have followed me to get me over that 1500 mark. I appreciate Woo-hoo. it. Uh, let's let's keep on going. Yeah. But yes, subscribe to us um, and uh, give us five stars. Uh, we would appreciate that. Uh, we got a long summer ahead of us, and uh, those those reviews will keep us going. And we have literally nothing to talk about. Oh, hey, should we uh, should we tell everyone we're not going to have an episode next week? Oh yeah, there's not going to be an episode next week. I I have a extremely busy work conference in Orlando that'll be at, which is why I'm t- I'm going a couple of days early to take the B to the Disney World, which we talked about at the start. Um, but then I have um, the busiest conference, essentially the busiest week of the year for me. Uh, so uh, I, I cannot carve out two hours to talk to Jeff about nothing because um, uh, that's pretty much what we're going to have to Yeah, and y'all got, y'all got like two bonus episodes in there with Ernie Kent and... And I know, I, I know all of y'all haven't listened because we got more listeners on our recent episodes than our old ones. So go back and listen to some to some of those golden oldies. There you uh, go. They're 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 there and they're ready. To <laughs> and if you need, you know, if you're if you're that hard up and you need good podcast recommendations, we we can also do that for you too. Yep, we can do that. All right. All right, man. Well, thank you for listening and go Cougs. Go Cougs.